through just i'm going to talk about you a little bit i'll read your bio and then i'll say you know mike thank you so much for joining me today and that's your cue that you have entered the, the show i'm on the show huh yeah no we've been doing this for about uh, two years with one break it, it's it's been really nice it's helped us uh, meet some different people from all over the country in the real estate industry that we wouldn't normally meet. Mm, okay. Well, that, that's just wonderful. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You know what the only problem is? I forgot to make a cup of coffee to start this with. Do you want to go? I've, <laughs> we're, no, we're fine. If you want to go grab coffee, I'll wait a couple minutes and we'll start. Aaron, Aaron will take care of it. Aaron like looks at me and says, oh my God. She's like, <laughs> I, I know that means I'm doing it. That's kind of stays you. Yeah. You kind of understand, you know, <laughs> All right. And what I might do then, because a lot of this will be conversation when I ask the questions, right? Because then you can do whatever you want. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. So stage, how are you? Oh, you, you already started. Okay. So we're good. And then you can cut the beginning out. Yep. Okay. Perfect. And then I will. All right. So then and I some Mike too. And if you don't get my clue, I'll be like, oh, it's you, Mike, because then I can cut that out. Okay. Okay, whatever. All right. I like it. Okay. Hello, CoLab community. So today I wanted to bring a guest on who has had some really great success in the real estate industry. And I want you to hear how important it is to be intentional about what you're building, to have a strategy. And I want you to learn how important the people, the types of businesses and choices that we all make determine the outcomes that we eventually see in our lives and our business. This episode is for anyone who's in the real estate industry who wants more. You want to build something. You want to build a business, a team, something that eventually one day gives you freedom, ongoing income. Maybe you're a real estate agent and you want to know like, what is that next level that you can aim for? You want something bigger. You know, maybe some of you have one foot in the door and one foot out. You haven't really let go of a secure job yet. And, you know, maybe some of you are real estate brokers, but you aren't making the kind of money you thought you would when you started on your journey of opening your own brokerage. Today, I am getting joined by Mike, Mike McGavisk. Of, am I saying that right, Mike, when I say your last name? Okay. Yes, that's correct. Okay. I am joined today by Mike McGavisk, a real estate broker owner and really an entrepreneur who, I'm going to be honest, guys, I had no idea the caliber of entrepreneurial skills that he had when I met him seven or eight years ago. He is smart. He is business savvy. He's intentional and he's a phenomenal teammate. You know how when you meet someone and you don't really realize at first just how impressive of a person someone is and they are and and you spend some time with them. And once you have some of that one-on-one -on -one time, you find out all these things, these, you know, secrets that they have that, you know, have, have gotten them to where they are just kind of hiding behind that door. And you find out and you don't find it out until for a lot of times with people like Mike, because they're humble and they don't throw their success out there all the time or in your face. So it can be easy to miss. So our guest today I want to welcome is Mike McGavis. Mike how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, before I start asking you some questions, I'm going to read your bio, but I don't think 
your bio, this is where your humbleness, I think, comes in. It doesn't even show the amount of incredible things you've done. So um, I'm excited to ask you questions so people can hear and, um, you know, learn some of the things that I've learned because, Mike, you've been in the real estate industry for about 25 years. And your background, though, is as an educator and administrator. You love working with people, helping them achieve their dreams. And you're a proactive salesperson with a reputation for seemingly limitless energy and thinking outside the box, which I love that. You are the operating partner and broker of a of record, excuse me. You are the operating partner and broker of record at several Keller Williams franchises in Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And in addition to being a realtor and broker, you've worked as the regional director for Keller Williams Greater Pennsylvania Region. So you're also a licensed real estate appraiser. I did not know that. And um, so you'll bring a keen eye for the value of real estate to every transaction. So I didn't know you were an appraiser. It's like I learned something new every time I meet with you. I started as an appraiser uh, back in 1981. So however many years that is, that's 30 years, 40 years. I don't know, 40 years, I guess. I was, I was one. <laughs> well, there you go. See? <laughs> <laughs> I was out of college about four years at that point. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's where that came from. I started out because I was a high school math teacher and a uh, high school principal. And I worked with somebody who uh, uh, was uh, a chemistry teacher and a uh, uh, an appraiser, MAI appraiser. And back then, you know, if you wanted to be an appraiser, you had to get your broker's license and you had to do a number of things. And he was an MAI, which made him like sought after everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, the he, he said to me, look, you know, I know you need a summer job because you, know, you have little kids and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he says, why don't you come work for me for the summer? And I need somebody to take pictures and measure houses because back in the 1980s, there were no such thing as uh, electronic databases and MLSs that were across. You know, we had to do everything on paper. And the MLS in the local area where we were in Pennsylvania was uh, wrapped up in mimeograph sheets that were hand delivered by a courier that went around the different offices in the two counties. I remember that from when I started the couriers who would drive. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. gosh, I remember that. And, and uh, Go ahead. So I was going to say, so, you know, in order to uh, get your, your comparable information, somebody had to crawl around in the archives at the uh, courthouse yep. and, and take pictures of the houses. And in some cases, measure the comps and not get shot by whoever was at the house. And <laughs> it was pretty easy because you would knock on the door and tell them what you're doing. But it was, uh, you know, every once in a while, you'd find somebody who was not real excited about you standing on their property or taking a picture on their property. So. No. And, and what I find interesting about you being in education is I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, like most people who are in education, like <coughs> once you became a principal, right? Yep. Like most people, okay, that's a goal to work towards. Like I want to lead a school. I want to, you know, be a principal, be in an administration. You did that. Most people, that's like what they achieve in their career. They do that until they retire. <coughs> What made you leave that and then go into what you're doing now, which you've had incredible success with? Well, I started out teaching um, and I taught middle school uh, at seventh, seventh and eighth grade, basically, seventh, eighth and ninth grade. And um, I started out there and I, I worked toward getting my master's degree because I, the, the building level principal that I had was in my 
opinion and incompetent. And uh, so I said, if he can do it, I can do it. So I went and got my master's, started working on that almost immediately after getting into education. And I loved working with the kids. I loved working. I was coaching. Mm-hmm. I loved all those different things. And uh, then I went and got my master's and I became a high school principal in Frederick, Maryland. And uh, I found that I didn't like the bureaucracy of it. I didn't like the, the school board piece of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the, you know, I ended up being the, the disciplinarian and not the person who was working with the kids as much. And it was a, it was a really difficult uh, transition. Mm-hmm. Later on, took a took a, uh, a position in a larger school in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, and then after that, another position in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Each time going up the ladder a little bit, thinking I would get a little bit uh, less. Uh, I, I'd be more enamored with what was going on in me. The, the less bureaucracy, bureaucracy, but I'm guessing but as, it didn't happen. As time as time went by, it, it didn't get better. It got worse, and uh, finally, I said, "You know what." This is not what I want to do every morning when I wake up. And I, I had all, long ago learned that uh, if you get up every day liking what you do, you never work a day in your life. And That's I was working. And I was working. And I said, this can't, I can't do this. And my mom had been a part-time real estate agent and uh, broker. And she was a librarian at a university where I grew up. And, and so I had some exposure to it as a kid. I thought, you know, I could do this in the summer times. And maybe later on I could do it. Uh, you know, and, and I had been working for a little while for a friend who was an appraiser and uh, was doing his uh, um, comp checks and things. And when I started doing those, uh, I started liking what I was doing a lot more again. And I realized that I could do that full time. I made in the, in the second summer I worked for him, I made more money that summer than I had made the two previous years together in education. So it became a real easy uh, decision. Okay. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I, I started working in that direction and, and uh, the, the money factor and, and the freedom factors, both of those were exciting to me. And back then, in order to get a real estate license, you really didn't have to do a lot. Uh, you had to go take a test. <laughs> you didn't have right. to go to school. You didn't have to, if you had a bachelor's degree, you didn't have to go to school at all. So I just went and took the test and, and started out selling real estate for the, the wife of my friend who was the appraiser. And, uh, you know, that's how it all started. Wow. I didn't, I don't know if I knew that. That That's really interesting. And so really it was appraising that started it and then jumping into the selling part. And, you know, since we don't have hours here, because I know there's so many things I could ask you, how did you then go? I mean, you obviously had a successful career selling. How did you then go to owning a brokerage? Well, that's a whole long story path. Um, I started out uh, selling, you know, resale, but I had an opportunity to work for a pastor friend of mine who owned a log home franchise and wants him to sell new, new construction log homes. And I did that. And I saw the entrepreneurialism that he had done, uh, you know, by doing that, he ended up being able to, uh, not collect a salary from his church. And, uh, he made a lot of money doing this other stuff. And, uh, so it helped the church grow and, and whatever. So it was kind of an interesting, um, entrepreneurial path for him. Uh, I worked for that for a better part of about two years, mm-hmm. learned how to sell new construction. I learned a lot about log homes. And then the friend of mine, um, you know, she, she started feeding me some other stuff. And I had my first year in real estate, I sold, I sold 31 houses part time. And uh, when you do that, 
and you know, you, you're like, okay, well, that's pretty good. And uh, when you look at the money that I made and, and you threw the appraisal stuff in there too, I was like, okay, this is the path I'm going. <laughs> so I started, I started selling uh, full time and then had an opportunity to uh, move back to Delaware. Uh, where my wife is from. Mm. And uh, we started, we started working here. Um, I did a couple of part-time things while I was getting started learning my business and doing what I had to do here. My wife got a teaching job back because she's, she's been in education ever since we got out of college in 1978. So, mm. you know, she's, she's uh, ready to retire this year, but anyway, you, you look at those things and you see, this is where the path goes. The path goes to uh, getting a, a, uh, a real estate career business and building it up. And so I, I started working on it. And unfortunately, after about three years in the business, people said, Oh, you can manage. You, you, you've got all the skills. You've got a background to manage. So I started managing uh, a, a, a real estate franchise for three guys, uh, myself and, and, and two others. And, and uh, I found out as I was managing along that you had to learn, you had to figure out your partners. And I didn't vet my partners very well. I was great friends with them, but I didn't realize that one was had no idea how to run a business. And the other one had an idea of like all money that came in was belongs to the owners, not to the business. And so we had no money and we had it was just a, a bad situation. So finally, one day I walked in and said, uh, OK, guys, have a nice day. I'm leaving. <laughs> and I signed over my shares of the business and and went to another uh, company that was a much a very big corporate company. Um, we had started the, the first franchise because we had been bought out. We were working for a, for a franchise that was bought out. We went to work. They, it was bought out by a local. Um, it wasn't a mom and pop, but it was a local company that had lots of name recognition. And but it was very corporate. And I just didn't deal well with that. It was like going back into the educational world. And when I was left to manage the other one, it was again, I was found that I was I was herding cats. And uh, so, you know, it was like, here's how it goes. And I went to I went to another um, brokerage. And the idea there was to sell and not do anything management wise. But right like two or three days after I went there, the uh, they changed their, some of their management structure. And we were left without a manager in the, the office that I was going to. And they said, look, you come over, bring some of your people with you from your old franchise and you can manage this office. And I'm like, well, okay, you're going to give me an override, that kind of stuff. I'll, I'll manage for a while. We'll see what happens. Well, I signed a two-year contract, and two years and a day later, I left and went to another franchise and selling full-time. And I said, that's it. Don't. There were no management opportunities there, and that's why I liked it. And, <laughs> and I said, nobody can suck me back into management. And so I started selling, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to uh, meet with somebody who said, you know, you should be doing this and building a team. And we sat down together, the two of us did, and we built a team. And that team went from me and him to me and nine people. And we went from basically $65,000 in income the first year to 178 the next year to 350 the next year. And, you know, this, this is back when, you know, average sales price in Newcastle County was about 62,000. And so we were selling a lot of units and uh, we did that um, quite successfully for quite a while. And then in 2004, um, uh, well, 2003, at the end of 2003, there was a uh, an ethical issue that happened in the office. And we had an agent that was not very productive, whose girlfriend was one of the receptionists and was feeding my leads to him. And uh, 
I didn't like that very much. No, I've, I've had that happen too. And <laughs> I didn't like that very much. So I, I said, okay. Um, and I gave the uh, ownership group there the opportunity to correct that problem through through uh, the termination of that person. And and then I found out that the person was related to the broker. And I realized, well, this isn't going to happen. And uh, so, I don't know, three months later, uh, I sat down and met with a, a fellow who eventually became my partner. We started investi investigating some of the other things that were available to us. And uh, we were going to start a mom and pop to start, you know, Mike and Rob Inc., you know. And instead, we ended up buying a franchise with Keller Williams, and that's where we've grown the most. And, uh, and why do you, 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 most of the brokerages that you own are the franchise model, correct? Are they all the franchise model? Oh, yeah. yeah. Why one, do you like the franchise model so one much? Of, one of the things that I learned is this, okay? Um, never reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Um, look back on the, the, the growth of others and take what they've done. And if you can take that as a basis and grow from it, that's what it's, the franchise model. If you find the right ones, will always allow you to grow. And uh, for me, you know, it was a it was a matter of okay, how can we build these businesses with some built-in? You know, I realized I I did not know everything about real estate. Uh, I still don't. I learn every day. And uh, so as a result of that, the franchise model just seemed to work the best for us. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't even understand. And like, I mean, I knew what a, I thought I knew what a franchise was, but I didn't truly know until the last year. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like, you know, being able to take what works because once you've done what doesn't work and you've wasted a lot of money and a lot of time with what doesn't work, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great, great business model. Um, and so, you know, <clears throat> How has one of the other questions I had was how has being intentional for you about what you're, you know, it sounds like I didn't realize that your journey into starting to own the brokerages because it was in what, 2004, 2005, 2003, 2003. Mm -hmm. So of 2003. Yep. So you're about 18, 19 years and, you know, and, and that kind of tells me and anyone else listening that, it is a journey. It doesn't happen overnight, right? Like it took you a while to find and, and take that first step into going from even agent to business owner, right? Well, if I had, I, I learned something, you know, if there's five people in a room and we have a conversation together and I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. And when I say that, that's because, you know, everybody out there has things to offer. And what I, what I learned from my franchise and the franchise model I have was that there were lots of people out there who were intentional intentional about growing their business, but also that um, somebody had written a book about it and somebody had, you know, there, there were different things that happened with these different folks that allowed me to get in the presence of, of people who were much, much more uh, advanced in this whole process than me. And I was able to shortcut some of the things by talking to people, learning, learning from people. And uh, I started reading every business book I could get my hands on for a while. And then uh, that switched over to, because I got so busy, that switched over to listening to everything, every business book I could get. And I joked that I have a PhD in real estate from my car. You know, that's, that's where I got it from. And, uh, I, uh, I understand that I listen to podcasts in the car, in the shower, because that's when my kids aren't around. It's, it, it's how you hear everything, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so 
you know, when we, we were owning this, this, our intention was to own a small real estate office. When we started out, we had 20, 25 agents. That was it. We didn't care if we went any further than that. The, uh, the, the first, uh, thing that we did, we went out, we hired a manager or somebody to run the office because neither one of us wanted to run the office day to day. Right. And, uh, and that was a smart move on both of our parts because if you don't like to do something, you won't do it well. Right. And uh, we found somebody who liked to do it. And uh, she was retiring from another brokerage and we both knew her and we both respected her and we were able to convince her not to retire, but rather to come work for us, which she did for about five years and which gave us our, our start. Anyhow, we, we started out with six people myself and, and my team and my uh, uh, partner and his one one team member. And uh, so we had this group, you know, that started out. And all of a sudden, the word got out that we were leaving where our brokerage where we were and we were starting a new brokerage. And we ended up having all these people who were interested in talking to us. And we <clears throat> said, you know, what do you want? And they said, hey, Andre. And, uh, hey, they, you know, they, they, uh, uh, they started asking and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And then we would kind of explain what we did. And we had, gave, had given him, uh, we were able to give him a copy of, of Gary Keller's book that talks about the millionaire real estate agent. And we were giving us, look, we're, we're here to teach agents how to grow, how to build a business and uh, so on. And I, interestingly enough, my, my, uh, the guy that was working on my team and I, we had researched a number of different things to grow our team business. And as it turns out, we had a team that was set up pretty much like Gary Keller said, this is the best way to do it. <laughs> and, yeah. we, and we did it, you know, quite honestly by accident and by, by trial and error and whatever. And we had it um, running pretty well. And so as a result, I was able to step outside the business for a while and work on the franchise. And uh, we ended up with, um, that first month, we, we got approved by the Real Estate Commission. We we left our brokerage December 30th, and by January 22nd, we had 42 agents working for us. Because they all wanted that leadership of how you could help them grow, and you had the system to lean on, and it sounds like the people in place to manage it while you you know started really focusing on growing the business. Am I correct? Yeah. We took 14 of the top top 25 agents in our county with us without trying. And that is what really grew us um, into a huge brokerage. By, by June of that year, we had 100 agents. By um, December, we had 238. We split off and opened another office in Wilmington. And we just kind of grew. Um, in 2004, we, we opened that second franchise. In 2005, we set up the, the, the process for opening two more. We didn't actually open either one until 2006. And, uh, you know, so we were we were growing. We had three in Delaware, a fourth one starting in Delaware and another one start another one that was started in 2006 in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And uh, that's another whole long story. I didn't intend to go to Jersey because I was like, I don't want I, I don't want uh, attorney review and all the things that go with New Jersey. And uh, but it happened. And we ended up with a, I ended up with a fantastic partner there. I couldn't have asked for a better partner in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. And what make what would you say makes a fantastic business partner? Now, now that you've figured it out, because it, it sounds like you have more than you have a couple business partners. Yeah, I do. I have a number of, of them, and the, the best business partners are the ones who really want to want to build a business. They understand entrepreneurialism and want to build a business. They don't want to. They, they don't understand what working nine to five is. 
Okay. The people who want a nine to five job, they want a job. They want to get their, their uh, income from a certain number of hours working. Uh, they don't care about the uh, uh, time frames. but a great partner will do whatever it takes. And you can tell that in your interviews with them and you can talk about them also about um, what's going on in the, in the entire process. And uh, they, they tell you things <laughs> and you right. know people who are educationally mindset, they, they, they want to learn, they want to read. Um, and you can tell if you're talking to people and they're not reading, if they're not learning, if they're not going to events, they're not doing things to grow themselves. They're not, they're not the right partner to grow a business. No, I love that. And it, yeah, it's so true. You can have different skill sets, but it's that like growth mentality and both being willing to give a hundred percent. It's not 50, 50, it's not, you know, whatever it takes. It's and, 100. Yeah. A hundred, hundred, right. You know, and, and once you find that hundred, hundred, then, you know, you have somebody that will do what you need to do to grow both the business for both of you, you know? Yep. And now, I'm going to kind of make a shift here with the rest of our time, because not only we kind of gone through your journey from being a school principal to, you know, starting and getting into being a real estate broker owner of multiple brokerages, but you don't just own real estate brokerages. You also own a number of ancillary businesses that go with those brokerages. You know, can you tell me, like the types of ancillary businesses that you have and how they've, you know, impacted your overall business. Well, one of the things you have to remember is that when you're building a life, you need to fund that life. You need to figure out how that life is going to get paid for. And so if you're, if you work at a business and you have to work in the business all the time, you don't own a business, you're self-employed and you have to be able to step outside that business to, um, let the business run itself and it has to run itself in order for you to um, have the kind of life that you need. You know, I, I had learned long ago that being in the business, okay, was one thing. Working on the business was something else. And that's when I started working on the business and started hiring the right people to run the business. Each one of my real estate franchises has a person that we call the team leader. They're, they're like the CEO of that office. They're responsible to take that and grow that. Okay. I'm not there every day. Uh, in fact, in some cases, like I have not been in one of my offices for two and a half years because of COVID and some mm. situational things. And so as a result, you know, I have to be able to have ways to communicate with that person. We built our relationship uh, in that particular case on the telephone. Mm. And we, we learned and talked and grew and met at, on the phone. We didn't actually meet face to face to face. And when you can do that, you have the right person. You can do that, you know, mm -hmm. and that's where, and that's exactly what it is. And, and you've met her. So, you know, what I'm talking about the, the, but the truth is that in New Jersey, I have the same person in Delaware. I have the same person. When you look at those things and you have the people that are there, you can take your eyes off the, the day to day stuff. And then you can start saying, okay, what's going to build this business. Okay. And that's when we started realizing that the ancillary businesses to the to the business, although they're separate, can help the main business grow or the main business can help you grow other businesses. I mean, some of my ancillary businesses actually make me more money than some of my main businesses. 
And that wasn't, that wasn't originally my intention, but it just happens that way. Right. Yeah. It, it, it is crazy. The things that you learn and are all of your ancillary businesses, are they connected to real estate? For, for example, for anyone listening? Well, most of them are not all of them, but most of them are. And, and uh, we, we own some things that are real estate related, but they're not really connected. Like I have partnerships for owning property. Okay. And uh, one guy and I set a goal last year of owning, of buying 20 more properties. Okay. And so we've worked together to make that happen. And, and, and uh, in one day last year, we bought four, we settled on four properties that we found, you know, and they were different owners. They weren't just like, Oh, this guy's selling a package of four properties, you know? So you start looking and you start telling people, Hey, look, we're looking for this. We have wholesalers who call us. We have people who are flippers who call us. We have people who are real estate agents who call us. We got a call yesterday, day before yesterday, about a property that we could buy potentially, and it was an, a real estate agent from another company calling me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, he knows you're looking. Well, the thing is, you know, he's from a real estate company that has has 300 people. You know, yeah. is there anybody in that company that he could like talk to about this property? And the answer was no. You know, and so the thing is, the more people that I talk to, I teach some classes in investing. I work in some classes in investing with some of my partners and we're working on growing more and more of that at the moment. But I, and I teach in a real estate school. A lot of times people that go to real estate school end up going to another brokerage and they'll call me and ask me questions about what they're doing, that kind of stuff. And we'll end up talking to them about investment stuff. And they, they, they have an opportunity to buy something and they need they need somebody who can help them walk them through the process. And we had, you know, we have this one girl who decided she was going to do a flip and it was a disaster for her. And we kind of got in and helped her and bailed her out a little bit and got her back to where it is. It's still not over with. It's settled, but it's not over with. And so, you, you know, you have to be able to have um, people guide you as you do some of these things. And some some folks have said, oh, it's on TV. We can do it this way, you know. And guess what? It doesn't work that way. It's the highlights <laughs> reel, right? <laughs> they don't they don't see all the stuff that happened in the background. No, or all the mistakes. And Andre, since Andre has uh, snuck in here on us, everyone, so you know, I'll want to make sure you can ask Mike any questions at, before we wrap up today. Based on you know, he shared his story. You were on here for the business questions. Did you have anything you wanted to ask Mike? Um, I, I think one of the, the questions and Mike, maybe you answered it, you know, the other day we were kind of in conversation and you were saying how you own, you know, so many businesses, um, you know, maybe what is one tip that you can give for people who do want to dip their toes in, in some things, but, you know, how do you keep your head straight or how do you not, you know, get stressed out when, you know, when one thing isn't going, um, your way, um, you know, I know Megan and I are building a few. I things. never have stress. I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> and I think that's important for people to know because people think it's a it's a cake it's a cakewalk, you know, and it's really not. And um, you know, so maybe what are some tips that you have, or you know, how do you keep your head straight, or you know, how do you not stay stressed out? Okay, there, there are some pieces of your puzzle that you have to have in place. If you, if you have partners, make sure you have good partners. Vet your partners. If you have a concern about what your partner should be, find somebody who's doing it. Find somebody who has partners. Spend time with them. There are lots of people, like at SCORE, for instance, at, at the local universities. You, know, you can talk to business people 
who have had partners and understand partnerships. And those are that's one of the great things. Um, another value, real valuable piece, and I, and I hope she's not listening, is to have a great assistant. OK, you got to have somebody who can read your mind, do what has to be done, make it happen and not get mad at you when you're not there to make it happen. You know, because sometimes they become the whole uh, directorship of, of your partnership. OK. Yeah. And I think both of you know that from talking to your, your assistants as well. You know? Yeah. I mean, literally just picking up. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like scheduling with you today. You're right to have you on here today because I was on the road Tuesday to making it just happen. Um, you're absolutely correct. And the, and it just keeps coming back to people, right? It's just people. Again, you, you invest in people and the people will bring that return back to you. Just remember that find the right people, invest in the right people, and you'll have great people working for you and you'll have great results. And what what is something that people seem like you know that people in the real estate industry what's something they seem to misunderstand about how to grow their real estate business or brokerage well you um, know, one, of, one of the things when you talk about i'm going to back up just a second i'll answer that question you know when you're talking about the people in your world okay when you're, you're talking about partners and all that kind of thing you have to make sure that you have a business vision that's big enough okay big enough to include them because if you start doing it and you start growing this business and you don't have enough room in your world for them, they will leave your world and find somewhere else where they have a bigger, bigger world to do it. And so you don't want to be moving people forward and not keeping them in your world. So as a business uh, visionary, you have to make sure that your vision is big enough for all of them. Okay. So when you, when you start talking about, uh, I'm sorry, would you repeat your last question? What's something that people misunderstand okay. about how to grow? Right. The one thing they think is that you just go hire people and it happens. Okay. They don't have a specific path. Hire an assistant, hire a marketing person. And both of those persons, when you start talking about um, a real estate agent, most, most real estate agents think, okay, I'm really, really busy. I'm going to hire somebody to show properties because I don't like that as much as other things. You know, mm -hmm. so they have a buyer's agent. Now they're giving away, you know, 30, 40, 50% of their commission, maybe even more to this person who's showing properties and, and writing contracts. And they're not doing that. They lose touch with their, with it. But, you know, truthfully, they have to hire an assistant first who can take care of all the, the paperwork side of things. And, and maybe it's a transaction person. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's transaction and marketing together. Then they hire somebody else. The next hire, when they get those people, you and that person get too busy, the next hire is going to be somebody who's going to do your marketing for you to take all that off your plate because you can't take your foot off the gas. You have to make sure that all the time you're making things happen, that you're doing it. When you stop marketing, your business starts to go away. Okay, I have a database of about 12,000 people that, that my current assistant and I are working through because for about four years, the people that were working it weren't working it. So now we have all this junk in there that we have to clean up, you know, and it really gets to be frustrating, you know. Um, but the real truth is when you want to sell your business, your real estate sales business, what you have that's your business are the people in your database and how you connect with them and how you stay with them. You know, the, the amount of things that you send to them, that's so important. I can't even begin to tell you how important that is. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard to stay on top of it, right? Like we go through mm -hmm. the same thing and 
it's not easy to grow a database either. Like you, it seems like it's easy, but you have to be so intentional about where well, they get saved. It's, it's easy to grow it. It's easy to grow it, but it's not easy to to reap the results from it. That's the difference. Okay, I like that. You, you, get, you get people all the time that want to talk to you. And you throw them in your database. You get phone calls. You get you throw them in your database. Okay, and and I would guess you that I, I probably meet eh, probably three people a day. Okay, so when you start looking at that, that's a thousand people a year. I've been doing this for a long time. You start putting those people in there. There's a whole bunch of people that I never put in my database that I should have. Right. I could have made a lot of money. I have seen transactions happen. And I get so mad at myself because I talked to that person and I didn't follow up. You know, and that's what the biggest failure for real estate agents is, is follow up, follow up. I can give you leads all day long. I can give you 200 leads tomorrow. And you know what? One of them will work into something and the other 199 will be sitting out there and the person will let them go. They won't follow up on them. But what we know is if you stay in touch with them over a period of the next 36 months, you will get 50% out of those or 50 leads out of those, excuse me. You know, you'll have this 25% fraction that you'll still have people that want to buy or will refer you. So here's a good question because you have you're not actively selling because you have this very large business now, right? Believe it or not, I still do. Okay. I still keep my fingers in the business. A little bit, right? Right. Because I can't, first of all, it's my first love. Mm -hmm. Second, second, I learn from that everyday stuff that's going on in the business. And I use that to help teach my agents. Yep. Because you've got to have that knowledge going. Because otherwise you start thinking about paperwork and businesses and all the other stuff, you stop, you stop thinking about what a bit, what a real estate business is. You know, that's the great thing about the franchise that I'm part of is all of the leadership are either we're agents or we're, we're managing people in a real estate company. They all have their backgrounds in real estate and there's not, there's no uh, people who were, were uh, marketing gurus or no people, you know, no. They all were in real estate and they've learned to take it from there. Now, do they hire people that are marketing gurus? Yeah, but that's the same. That's your support mechanism. Okay. No, you're right. And there's people that just email you that I've been saying that too, just a friend or this person, and you got to make sure you put them in. It's not just the leads that come through or the people who are interested now. So right. yeah, database management is huge. And so before I have one last question, as we wrap up, uh, you know, what are you most excited about with your business right now? You know, the market is going down and the interest rates are going up and everybody is worried that it's going to go crazy collapse. Guess what? The people who work in real estate are going to make a fortune because now is the time where you capture market share and your market share grows. It's not necessarily that you will have as many sales, but you'll have a bigger percentage of the sales. And once you gain that percentage in the market, you never lose it. And as you grow, as you grow, as you grow. It's all about, in terms of my real estate business, is about having the most soldiers in the war out there talking and, and working and encouraging them. You know, we have a whole bunch of people who are excited about this downturn. They think about that. Why would they be excited? They're like, man, it's going to be harder to sell. We can't do this. The average interest rate before all this craziness that we happened the last four years, you know, was what, 7%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%, 6%
We just had a speaker at our company. It's 7.98% for from two from 2000. No, I'm sorry, 1998 to 2008. It was 7.98. It, everyone has short memories, and all they remember is the last seven or eight years. See, and what there's what 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 has bothered them is in the 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 rate of the the price of houses has escalated. So the affordability is less because that of what it was before, but it's not that there's a crazy thing. Why well, bought my first house? Interest rates were 18%. Okay. You know, people don't know that they don't think about that. You know, they talk to their parents, maybe they'll, they'll hear it or their grandparents in some cases, they'll hear that, but you know, they don't, you can't buy a house at 18%. We did, you know, it's just all the things that are out there and you just get creative in what you're doing. So we've been teaching creativity on financing, have our financing people looking at stuff. How do you make stuff work? You know, we still have five one arms. We still have seven one arms. Yep. We have ten one arms. We have all these different things that can that can work. There are programs from the states, and you know, it it, it, it all can happen. Well, we so appreciate you coming on today for our podcast because the people that are listening, there were some amazing. Um, little nuggets that you gave for, you know, this is something I learned. I loved everything that you said about, you know, focusing on your database, never reinventing, you know, the wheel by using the growth of others. And it's been really neat hearing those things because everyone can follow them. So thank you for joining us today. If anyone listening is in um, the states, the areas that you're in, where can they get a hold of you, message you, email you? Um, email is Mike Realtor at kw.com. Perfect. And, and we'll put these in the show notes, guys. Okay. And the uh, call my cell. I'll pick it up. Um, 302-530-1553. Put those in the show notes. If it doesn't, if I don't pick it up, it's the, it goes immediately to a, a voicemail that texts me and I know who it is. Okay. I know you're not spam calling. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hopefully not. No, that's great. All right, collaborators, we will see you next week on the next show. Um, send us a message. Reach out to Mike if you're interested in real estate or you're in the states that he mentioned here today. And we can't wait to see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. That Take was care. great, Mike. Thank you so much.